Hello and welcome to the Victory and Labang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series, Hope Has Come. Together, we'll discover what the birth of Jesus means for us, the time and the reason for His coming. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Bodhi. I'm one of the pastors here in Victory. And if it's your first time here, we would like to welcome you. Um, again, if it's your first time, I hope that you could approach me right after the service. I'd like to shake your hand, meet you, and possibly pray for you. And uh, yeah, I'd just like to greet everyone. A happy Christmas. One more time. Happy Christmas. There you go. Sa parking palang ramdam na ramdam ko na talaga yung Pasko. I almost didn't reach this service, but praise God, I am here. Now, um... Talking about being stuck or being stranded, have you ever had that experience where you got stuck or stranded in a place and you could not do anything about it? Probably stuck in a vacation. You know, my cousin actually went to Singapore and he was supposed to have his flight going back here Tuesday, but he got stuck there and he was really stressing out because uh, he had a lot of business to deal with here and, you know, he had extra expenses there. So probably stuck in a vacation. Probably you got stuck in traffic, especially when... Especially during Christmas, you know, it's like a parking lot out there and you don't have the option of getting out of your car and taking a grab angkas because you can't leave your car there. Or probably it's, uh, you know, being stuck at home, needing or wanting to do something. But the roads would not allow you to because it's flooded. It's really a terrible position to be in. Stuck, stranded, not being able to do anything about it. And you know, when we talk about getting stuck, we don't only refer to places, but a lot of times we can get stuck in a specific situation that is not really fun. Stuck in a bad relationship. Stuck in a job that you don't really enjoy. Stuck in debt. Or if we are being honest, a lot of us would be stuck in the area of spirituality because, because of wrong mindsets or because we don't fully know and embrace the truth. And again, that's, that's something that we don't want to be in. You know, growing up in a nation that is very religious, we have been trained to work for our salvation, to work for the favor of God. We are given a long list of things to do to be able to be in right standing with God. I need to go to church every week so that God will bless me. I need to do good works to make up for my sins and to earn my forgiveness. I need to give in the tithes and offerings so that God will love me. I need to obey the Ten Commandments completely so that I would be given, you know, the, the right to enter heaven. All of those things are wrong mindsets. And you know, it, it puts us in a situation where we can get stuck in a tiring and, you know, useless pursuit trying to work for our salvation, trying to work for our forgiveness, trying to work for the love of God. But in truth, it will not really get us anywhere. It's like running in a treadmill. You know, you can, you can exert all the effort that you want. You can spend the whole day running there. But at the end of the day, you will end up tired, but still in the same place. That's a picture of how it is when we try to work for our salvation. And you know, that's not really a good place to be stuck in because it would not only deplete our energy, it would not only steal away our happiness, but eventually it would cost us our lives for eternity. 
That's why we don't want to get stuck in that position. You know? And that situation was actually the position that the people in Galatia found themselves stuck in. And my question for us today is, are we enjoying the freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for us on the cross and the relationship that He offers each and every one of us? Or are we sitting here tired, helpless, hopeless, still stuck in that pursuit of trying to gain God's love and favor and His forgiveness by our own works? Now, let me tell you the latter. It's not His will for us. Actually, that was the very reason why He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that we should have died, so that we may be given a chance to freely enjoy the relationship that He wants to have with each and every one of us. And you know, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the very reason why we celebrate Christmas. And I pray at the end of this preaching that all of us would receive that gift of freedom and that gift of salvation. And if you are seated here and you have already received that before, I pray that we would have a deeper understanding of what it is and it would lead us to a place of overwhelming gratitude, wanting to share the same message to other people so that they too may experience this freedom and salvation. That being said, I'd like to invite everyone to open their Bibles to Galatians 4, 4 to 5. We'll be reading the same uh, passage that we read last week, but today we are going to have a different focus. It's a short passage, so I'd like to invite everyone to read it aloud with me. On the count of three, one, two, three. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your presence in this place. And we thank you for your presence in our lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be the one to open our minds and hearts, open our eyes, so that we may receive fully what it is that you want to impart to us today. And I pray that as we go back to your word, thank you that you will be the one to speak to us. Thank you that you will show us how we can apply it in our lives in our day-to-day -day decisions. And Lord, thank you that we will know you in a deeper way. Be the one to transform our hearts. Allow us to surrender everything to you. We praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We talked about how Jesus came when the fullness of time had come. How God sent him, born of woman, born under the law. He took the form of man. And what that implied for us. And today we are going to focus on... Um, Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. So this week, we are talking about redemption. And, you know, why did Jesus need to redeem us from the curse of the law? Why did God give the law in the first place? And what is redemption? So those are just some of the questions that we will answer through the preaching of the Word today. And when we talk about redemption, it is actually the action of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or debt. Again, what is redemption? It is the action of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. It is also the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Now again, the question is, why did Jesus Christ need to come 
down from heaven to earth to redeem us. And why was Paul talking about this passionately with the Galatians? You see, the passage that we just read, it's actually part of Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. Paul actually traveled there and he preached the true gospel, the message of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone and in Him alone, not by works. So Paul went there and preached this. He actually um, repeats this in his letter. In Galatians 2 verse 16, it says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So when we read this verse, a lot of people might think it's quite confusing because a lot of words are being repeated. And you know, Paul was, was kind of being poetic and stressing some points. He wasn't getting lost in what he was saying. He was actually trying to stress something. And when we look at the words being repeated, he's actually just highlighting how no one can be justified by our own works. Again, no one can be justified by our own works. What does it mean to be justified? To be justified means to be made in right standing in the eyes of God. To be seen by God as righteous. What does being righteous mean? It means that you have lived a perfect, sinless, and flawless life. One that is required for one to be saved. So the Galatians and a lot of us used to believe that righteousness, that perfect life, is something that we can actually attain by trying to obey the law. Paul points out how that is impossible. Because if we are to gain our righteousness by means of the law, we would have to obey 100% of the law, 100% of its standards, 100% of the time. Again, if you would want to gain righteousness by means of the law, you would have to obey the law 100%, 100% of its standards, 100% of the time. Now, my question for all of us today, would it be possible to obey 100% of the law if we are not aware of every single commandment? Next question. Is it possible to obey the law 100% of its standards when the Bible says that, you know, the law demands to be fulfilled and obeyed 100%? And the standards Jesus Christ even raised. Because before, the, 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 the religious leaders would look at our external actions. But Jesus Christ says He looks in the heart. So if you have committed a sin in your heart, it's like you have already committed something against the law. Like for example, once you, once you look at a woman with lust, you have already committed adultery. Once you have harbored feelings of anger for your brother, you have already committed murder. So that's a very high standard. Can we claim that we can obey the law 100% of its standards? And you know, given that you are awesome and wonderful and you can do the first two things. The next one, we have to obey the law 100% of the time. So even if we decide today, I'm going to obey the law. Jesus, I'm going to be a wonderful Christian. Jesus, I'm going to follow you every step of the way. I will not sin. Even if we live that righteous life starting today, when we look back, we know that we have fallen short. We know that we have already sinned. 
So when we say 100% of the time, it's not just moving forward, but also looking back. So again, Paul points out, it's impossible for anyone to attain righteousness by means of the law. Besides, it's written in James, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So all of us really are, you know, people who have, you know, have not kept this law. All of us have fallen into sin and no amount of work can erase what, can erase what we have done in the past and can make up for that. We have all failed. We will never be made righteous by our own works. Only faith in Jesus Christ can give us righteousness. The righteousness required to be saved. Again, righteousness is not about what we do. Righteousness is about what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. Righteousness is never about what we do. It is about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that was what Paul taught the Galatian people. And as they heard this wonderful message, the Holy Spirit worked in their minds and their hearts and they received Jesus Christ. They received this righteousness. They received this freedom. They received the salvation. And you know, Paul was really elated. He was praising God for what was happening in that city. And he started establishing churches. He started planting churches. And when those churches have been established already, it was time for him to move on to the next stop of his missionary journey. You see, Paul was moving from city to city to preach the message of the gospel so that more people can experience freedom in Jesus Christ. So he thought, my work here is done. I'm going to move to the next one. As he moved to the next city, he heard news about the people in Galatia. He found out that when he left, the Jewish teachers, the false teachers, went to the new believers in Galatia and started to, you know, launch a campaign to bring them back to their old way of thinking. Salvation by works, not by faith. So Paul was really frustrated because he worked tirelessly to break that mindset, to get these people out of the situation that they were stuck in. He knew how hard it was to do that because he himself experienced it. Let's remember Paul before he became a preacher of the gospel, before he became an all-out, you know, uh, all-out preacher, ambassador for Jesus Christ. He was actually Saul, who was, you know, who, who continued to declare that salvation is only, uh, can only be possible by obeying the law. He was a purist. That's why when he heard the Christians preaching about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone, he started to launch a campaign to kill those Christians. And you know, it wasn't until he was on his way to Damascus, it wasn't until, you know, he encountered Jesus Christ. He was blinded, but when he was blinded, that was when he saw the light. That was when he, he knew who Jesus was. That was when he received salvation. That was when the heavy burden of trying to keep the law, of trying to earn his righteousness was lifted up. And that was when he experienced freedom and joy in Jesus Christ. And that was when he understood. That was when he understood the power of Jesus. That was when he understood the power of the cross, that it is far more powerful than the law. And you know, he, he embraced this new message, this new belief with all his heart, even more intensely than how he embraced his previous message. And you know, he wasn't willing to kill for it, but this new message, he was willing to die for it because he knew that this was the only way that people would receive salvation. That's why... 
when he heard about what was happening in, in the city of Galatia, he was really, he was really angered. Because they went back to observing the Old Testament laws, dietary guidelines, requirement of circumcision, all to keep their righteousness, which was so wrong. That's why he, when he wrote this letter, Paul was really passionate. He wrote in Galatians 3, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul was probably thinking, you know, didn't we discuss this before I, leave, before I left? I made sure that you understood. What happened? He was probably talking to the leaders. Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you go back to your old mindset of thinking like slaves when Jesus Christ has already set you free? And you know, we can all fall into this trap because again, we were raised in a nation teaching us to observe rituals, teaching us to, to, to work for our salvation. So if we are not careful, we can receive the grace of Jesus Christ but revert back to a works mentality if we don't stand on the truth of what the Word of God says. And you know, as we do that, we think that, you know, I'm just helping out, but unknowingly, we are belittling the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let us remember what he had to go through. He was humiliated. He was tortured. He was scourged. He, he faced the most painful, humiliating death that there is. You would not wish it on anyone. It was painful. And you know, all of that, before he, before he breathed his last, he said, it is finished. He went through all of that torture, all of that pain that he did not need to go through just to be able to purchase that righteousness, that freedom, that salvation for us. And he said, it is finished. We cannot add anything to it anymore. And every time we try to work for our salvation, to work for our righteousness, it's like saying, Jesus, you know what you did was good, but I don't think it's enough. I need to add to it. That's very wrong. Paul was disgusted. You know, how dare we think that salvation is a cooperative effort between Jesus and us? Oh, Jesus, you do a little and I'll do a little today. That's not the way it goes. It is finished. We cannot add anything else. And, you know, as he was writing this letter, the Galatians were probably thinking, Paul, what was the law for if it would not be a means for us to gain salvation? Why did God give it in the first place? And Paul starts to explain it as the letter went on. He anticipated that question. He says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. So here, Paul was using the common concept of coming of age or maturity as an illustration. He was simply saying that before Jesus came to save us, we needed a guardian. You know, any responsible parent, I'm sure that you would not leave your toddler unattended to. And you know, when we look at ourselves, we might think that we are so wise, we are so mature, but in the area of spirituality, apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, we are babies. So you know, um, before Jesus Christ came, God had to leave a guardian, and the guardian was the law. The law taught us what was right, what was wrong, 
The law showed us that when we sin, it ultimately leads to destruction and death. The thing with the law, though, is that it is a very strict guardian. It demanded full obedience. Have you ever had those teachers or, you know, uh, guardians that what you did would never be enough? That was kind of what the law was. The law showed that no one can really no one can really work for their righteousness. The law showed that we are helpless, we are hopeless, and we are doomed for death. Left to ourselves. That's why, you know, it was a very strict guardian. That's why when you see Paul referring to it, he would use the words captive, enslaved, and imprisoned. Because everyone who is under it is destined for eternal death. Because that is what sin and the law demands. Because no one can obey it 100%, 100% of its standards, 100% of the time. That's when Paul realized that the law would never be able to produce life. The law would only produce death. He writes that to the Romans. He says, So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. This is the curse of the law. A curse that we are all under. A curse that we are all enslaved to. A curse that we would all have to face. Death because of our sin. And here we will see that the law, it was never meant as a means of salvation. That was not what it is supposed to be. The law was given so that it would reveal the hopelessness of our situation apart from Jesus Christ. It was never meant to be the end goal. When we look at the law, it would show us, I'm so sinful, I cannot follow this. It should not lead us to self-effort because we know that it would lead nowhere. As we see how hopeless our situation is, it would simply point us back to the only one who can save us. The Savior that would come. The hope that would come. And that is Jesus Christ. Trying to save ourselves. It's like paying for a 50 million peso bond to set yourself free from a company when you're only earning minimum wage. It's like trying to book a private jet when you don't have money and you're trying to book a flight from Hong Kong to Manila when all the airports have been closed and when all the flights have been canceled. In short, it is impossible. We will always be stuck in this situation left to ourselves. And the sad part is that we can't save ourselves and we cannot do anything about it left to ourselves knowing that we are already headed for eternal death. And you know what? God knew this. And that is why, again, He gave the law so that we would see our, our hopelessness and so that we would turn to Him and ask Him for help. The wonderful thing is that the help that He was going to give the salvation that he was going to give came in the most unexpected form. It came in the form of a baby in a manger, Jesus Christ. That is what we remember during Christmas. During Christmas, we see the Belen, we see baby Jesus, and a lot of people think that he's just a cute little baby. That's only the beginning of the Christmas story. It's only the start. Hope has come. But then his birth is not the only thing we celebrate during Christmas. But His coming to the earth to reach out to us, to live the life that we should have lived, 
to die the death that we should have died and to conquer death by resurrecting from the dead, all in God's perfect time. Again, we are slaves to the law. Paul actually likens the law as a guardian and us as children. Children who are heirs, who are waiting for our inheritance. But you know, with any child, you would not give them their inheritance right away. You know, um, so as they were growing up, as these young heirs were growing up, they were actually like slaves because the parent would assign slaves to actually give orders and to train the child. So he was just like a slave. Until the proper time would come, the coming of age, when this young heir could actually walk into his inheritance. But until that time comes, he's treated as a slave. That's the picture that, that we have under the law, waiting for Jesus Christ to come. It's like, you know, I have a lot of friends who are Chinese and they, their, their parents own uh, businesses. And as they were growing up, of course, you would not put a, a kid in a managerial position. So, you know, they asked the kid to do the menial tasks, to work from the ground up. And eventually, when he learned the ropes, when he was of age, you know, as he was growing up, he was just taking orders from the supervisors, from the managers. He wasn't the boss. But they knew that eventually he was going to be the boss. And when the perfect time comes, you know, the business would eventually be handed over to him. That's the picture of us being under the law. In the right time, when Jesus came, we would no longer be enslaved. We would no longer be stuck in this situation because he would come to redeem us, redeem the slaves, buy us back so that we could experience the freedom that God has destined for us to have. And when the perfect time had come. And that brings us back to our uh, passage that we read a while ago. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. We're feeling stuck. A lot of us, again, still in that mindset of trying to work for our salvation, it brings a heavy burden. We feel that it is impossible. We feel helpless. We are slaves imprisoned by the law and left to ourselves. There's no way out. That's why God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. Again, what is redemption? to buy something back, to buy it at a certain price or to clear a debt. And God sent Jesus Christ so that He can buy us back, set us free from that slavery, and have that relationship that we are supposed to have with Him. What was the payment that was made in exchange for our lives, for our freedom? The payment was Jesus Christ Himself. What exactly did Jesus do to redeem us? First, he lived the life that we should have lived. When we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we usually highlight the death. But equally important is the perfect life he lived. You know, in truth, he could have just appeared and started to save us. But he chose to, you know, enter this world in the form of a baby. And, you know, he lived his life before his death on the cross, he lived a perfect life, sinless life. And that was important because this life of righteousness is the life that he was going to pass on. This perfect record, he was going to pass on to everyone who would choose to believe in him. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As He lived that perfect life, he was, if He was holding a piece of paper, that record would be clean. And if we were holding a piece of paper, that record would be filled with sin. Now everyone who would choose to believe, He would get our paper and He would give us His. He would give us His righteousness. That is one of the gifts that we receive with the redemption that Jesus Christ has given us. Righteousness. Something that, again, we can never earn. Something that we will never deserve. Something that is impossible apart from Him. But He gives it freely because He loves each and every one of us so much. That's what we call justification. You know, the moment we choose to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, automatically, we are declared righteous. We are declared holy. Automatically, our record is cleared. That's the way it goes, only by faith alone. We do not need to do anything else. First gift, we receive righteousness. And as he has lived that righteous life, he also fulfilled the law perfectly and completely, without any error. And through his sacrifice on the cross, he has given us freedom, another gift. Righteousness, freedom, from the impossible burden of observing the law to gain righteousness. And you know, the beautiful thing about this freedom this righteousness is that it is all-encompassing. The moment, you know, when we receive that righteousness, in truth, we will still fall into sin. I pray unintentionally. But every time we do, it is no longer placed in the clean record that we are holding. It is placed in the record that He took from us, that He took to the cross and paid for. That's how wonderful this redemption and the, 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 the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is. It, it, it makes sure that we remain righteous as we put our faith in Him. And you know, now we can say, okay, I, I believe that Jesus Christ lived that perfect life. The redemption story is not yet complete. Because again, even if we have righteousness already, as we look back, we still have sins that demand payment. That's why it was important for him to die. Because sin, the law, demanded death. It says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. It says in the word of God that the wages of sin is death. That's the curse of the law. That's why Jesus willingly suffered torture, humiliation, the pain of being crucified on the cross, the pain of scourging, most painful death ever, the death that was supposed to be for us. I'd like to highlight those two words in that verse, for us. He substituted himself. He did not need to take that. He did not need to die that way. But he did it to save each and every one of us. And you know, I, I'm sure that we are all used to hearing those words, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Jesus died for the world. But let me tell you this, even if you were the only person here on earth, Jesus would still go through that same death because that's how valuable you are to Him. He is a very personal Savior. So I pray that we do not take that for granted. And I pray that we see how valuable this gift that He gives us is. Again, he did not need to go through all of that. But as he has gone through all of it, he gives us righteousness, freedom, and ultimately salvation, eternal life. 
through His sacrifice. That is what He purchased for us. That's the beauty of Christmas. While we have been taught to put effort and to do everything we can to reach out to God, Christmas reminds us that God actually was the first one to reach out to us. He went down from heaven to earth, not only to reach down, not only to reach us, but also to save each and every one of us. Because we, He knew that we could not do it on our own. That's why every time we think about Christmas, I pray that we go beyond His birth. We go beyond that picture of a baby. Because Christmas is also all about the victory that was displayed on the cross. The victory that allows us to receive righteousness, freedom, and salvation. The victory that has purchased us from being slaves, from being stuck in a car that was headed to to, to eternal death. It was only because of His sacrifice and complete faith in Him and Him alone. Not in our works, not in the law because it produces death but only faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work alone. Now, you know, I pray that we embrace that new identity, that we are no longer slaves that are ashamed, but we are already conquerors, proud of the victory that we have by association to Jesus Christ, who has paid the ultimate price for our redemption. And now we can say that truly, even in our helpless and hopeless state. During the first Christmas, hope has come. And through what He did on the cross, hope has been made sure. There is nothing that we need to fear. We do not need to live in slavery because we have already been set free. All we have to do is to stand in the truth of the Word of God. You know, it reminds me of um, an experience when I went to Germany. And you know, uh, as I was entering the airport, they detained me because they said that I had the wrong visa because I actually applied for a visa in the French embassy. So they were saying, why did you apply for uh, a visa in the French embassy when your entry point is going to be Germany? But the travel agents gave me all the necessary papers that I needed needed to prove that my uh, entry and my stay there would be valid. That's why in the beginning, I was kind of scared and I was doubting if they were going to allow me to enter. But then I remembered the proof that I was holding. And then when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our freedom, the enemy would try to confuse us. He would try to give us doubts in our minds. But let us remember that we are holding the ultimate truth. That is the finished work of God, Jesus on the cross, and that is the Word of God. It's important for us to stand in the truth of the Word, not just feelings, not just what other people say. And you know, Remembering that, people would, people would usually say, I don't think I can accept that victory because I had nothing to do with it. You know, it was all the work of Jesus Christ. Why would I celebrate it? You know, we don't need to participate in it, but Jesus Christ freely offers it to us. All we need to do is to accept it. It reminds me of people's reactions to the gold medals that the Filipinos are winning in the SEA Games. You know, we are winning medals left and right. And you know, it brings so much pride to the country. I see a lot of people posting about it. You know that, you know, uh, congratulations to us Filipinos. Let's celebrate because we won. Do you feel that same pride? Do you feel, you know, do you get excited about that same victory? My question to you, did you have any participation when it comes to their training and their performance? How come you get to celebrate that victory? 
It's a victory by association. Because a Filipino won, every Filipino has won. The hashtag says, we win as one. And that's the same thing when it comes to the victory that Jesus has won on the cross over sin and over death. We need not participate in it. But by association, as we put our complete trust in Him, we are no longer slaves. We become children, children of God that have the same victory, that can enjoy the same victory every single day in our lives. Can we just praise God for that? And again, that's the beauty of the whole Christmas story. Christmas reminds us of the victory that Jesus shares with each and every one of us. I would like to borrow the hashtag of the SEA Games, hashtag we win as one. Because as children of God, that is really what happens to each and every one of us. And I pray that we would no longer look at ourselves as slaves or as victims, but as victors, as conquerors, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Again, as we look at Christmas, let's not just look at the manger. Christmas is ultimately displayed and celebrated in the finished work on the cross and on the empty tomb. A picture of the full redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. And today, I said in the beginning of this preaching that I pray that all of us would be able to receive that gift of freedom and salvation in Jesus Christ. And it's something that He would want to give each and every one of us today. Again, it's not about what we do. It's not about what happened in the past. It's all about His finished work on the cross. All we have to do is to put our faith in Him. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.vicaryalabang.church.